Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. We have been uh, now for several weeks, this will be our third installment, week three, of diving into identity. And I just realized this past week that I've, I've ministered two messages and I haven't even talked on identity yet. Because the direction that the Lord had me go uh, was understanding this, that all identity issues are really grounded in deception. All of them. Any identity struggle you have, whether it's poor, rich, black, white, uh, Republican, Democrat, uh, believer, sinner, it doesn't matter how you identify, it doesn't matter what you see, there's a reality and then there's perception. And the enemy's tactic in our lives as believers is to alter our perception from its reality. If he can detach what you see from what it is, then you will live a life that's outside of God's plan and God's will. And so all of us, no matter what identity crisis we have, no matter what insecurities we have, no matter where we go for affirmation and value, no matter where we go to understand who I am and what I'm supposed to do, everybody on this planet's asking the question, who am I? Everybody on this planet's asking the question, why am I here? Everybody's asking that. Every person that's ever walked this planet, it doesn't matter if you are a billionaire in a penthouse or if you're uh, homeless living under a bridge. Everybody at some point has asked the question, who am I and why am I here? Two most important questions you've got to figure out in your life. And the word of God shows us this. And, and the word of God shows us the value of not just being something, but knowing who you are. And so we went all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, where the, the deceiver, right? We saw in the first verse of Genesis chapter 3 that he's tricky. He's the most cunning beast in all of the field. He comes in to detach what God said from what we believe. The very first question he asked was, did God really say? Did he say? And so we recognize that deception always comes in the form of questions and challenges. Now, God's not afraid of questions, but you have to understand the motive. And we said this, that the enemy always asks questions to dilute or distort truth. When he's asking a question, he's not asking a question so he can know something. He's challenging. He's questioning. Let me show you another way. Let me show you another alternative. And on the alternative, when God asks questions, if the enemy asks questions to distort truth, God will ask questions to reveal truth. Because just, just as soon as they take of that fruit and they eat, God shows up and what does he do? Adam, where are you? Now he's not asking Adam, where are you? Because he doesn't know. He's asking Adam because he wants to reveal, you've gone to a place where we're no longer together. There's a separation that showed up. And I need you to know that we're separated so you can work your way back. So we can get back to right relationships. So we can get back to the way this thing ought to be. 
But you have to first know that you're far from me. And so the enemy asks questions to distort truth. And everything I say from this week on out, you're going to probably have some kind of question arise, some kind of challenge arise if you haven't already. For some of you, I'll I'll say things concerning our identity that maybe you've heard before. For a lot of us, I'll probably say some things that are new concepts to you that maybe you've never seen this uh, revealed in the word of God. And questions and challenges will arise because that's how, this, that's how the deceiver works. The enemy doesn't care about what the reality is. He just cares about what you live out. And I want to remind you that the enemy knows more than you. The devil knows more than you. I want to remind you that the enemy knows the word. He even brought the word to Jesus when he tried to tempt him. We saw him last week. And he was bold enough to challenge the word, the word of God, Jesus, the word made flesh, with the word, right? So the enemy knows more about you than you do. And he's hoping you don't figure it out. He's hoping that you don't discover who you really are. He's hoping you don't ever discover the potential that you have. He's hoping you never discover who the father is. You know, I was talking with an individual this past week, and, and, and we, we got on this subject a little bit, and, and I said, you know where most of us, especially for us men, for all of us males in the room, you know where most of us derive our image from God is? From our fathers. We use our earthly fathers to become the image of our heavenly father. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to detract, and I had a great dad. I had an amazing dad. He's an amazing man, but he doesn't compare, pales in comparison to God in heaven, my father in heaven. And so this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to dilute and distort and, and pull away, and he wants to change your perception of who God is. He wants to change your perception of who you are, and he wants to change the value and perception of the word of God. Because everything I'm going to give you is grounded in his word. But if you question it and you challenge it, then you'll never arrive at the same conclusion God intended you to arrive at. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says something interesting. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. We've probably seen this verse. Many of you may already know it by heart, can quote it back to me. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If an identity crisis is laid in deception, then the answer for the identity crisis, watch me, it's not information. The answer to deception is revelation. You do not get out of deception by gaining more information. Because you will only twist and continue to dilute all the information that you receive. You need breakthrough. And breakthrough only comes through revelation. Man was not designed to live by information. He was designed to live by revelation. And there are too many believers that want to be informed rather than submitted. I'll say that again. There's too many believers that are settling for being informed rather than living submitted. When you live submitted, then the word can be revealed to you. Just because you receive information doesn't mean you're submitted. 
we're just concocting uh, theological reasons and studies and, and you can give every natural formula why this means this and this. But at the end of the day, you're not living by the revelation of the Spirit of God on a daily basis. You must live by revelation and revelation only. And I'm gonna show you this today. If the enemy is deceiving us and talking us out of our identity, talking us out of who we are, talking us out of our rights and privileges, talking us out of our uh, relationship with the Father, if he's coming in and deluding and distorting all these elements and factors in our lives, it's not gaining more information that's going to change your life and make you victorious. You've got to have some revelation show up. That's what brings the breakthrough. Now, many times when we read this verse, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how we read it. This is how we read it. So then faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's how many of us read it, but that's not what it says. It's actually two separate statements. There's a comma in between there, but you could put a period in between there. Because they are really two standalone statements. Let's look at the first one. So then faith comes by hearing. That is a standalone statement. I'm going to tell you right now, whatever you are hearing on a regular basis is where you're building your faith. Whatever you trust in and rely on is an indicator of what you're listening to. Come on. This is not just positive. We know that's the end goal, is that I hear something positive and I build my faith faith and trust in something positive. But, But you know what? There's a lot of people that listen to the news nightly, daily, hourly. Nobody in this room I know, but you know those people, right? You know those people, they are consuming it, consuming it. And whatever they're consuming, they become consumed by. And it's an easy indicator of what they're listening to by what they rely in and trust on and and, and trust in and rely on. Come on. So faith comes by hearing. If you listen to the doctor enough, you'll build faith in the doctor. You listen to the banker enough, you'll build faith in the banker. You listen to CNN enough, you'll build faith in, the C- in CNN. You listen to Fox News enough, you'll build faith. Wherever you are lending your ear, you are developing your faith. And we might be developing faith in things that cannot carry our trust and our weight. But only the word of God can. The word of God sure can. The word of God is, is, will not fail you. We just sang about it. Your promises, I will rest in your promise. This is my confidence. This is my assurance. The word of God is built to hold the weight of your trust and faith in it. It will never fail you. So many times we find ourselves putting faith in things that break. Sometimes we put faith in people. Spouses. Sometimes we put faith in as long as this thing goes just right and then one little hiccup shows up and everything's dismantled. Our faith is discouraged. Our hope is in the, 
in the in the dumps and, and we live like this because the world is like this and you and I just following that when he's saying no you need to be in something that's constant immovable unshakable grounded and founded that's the word of God so we want to understand first that faith comes by hearing that's how we gain faith you cannot gain faith in God's word if you're not lending your ear to it Period. We must give attention and value. And hearing, uh, you know, this, this word hearing can be a little deceptive because we're not talking about uh, an action. We're actually talking about a motive. Well, he's actually talking about how you hear. Remember when Jesus made the statement, they will have ears but not hear? Doesn't that sound like a weird statement? They'll have eyes, but they won't see. If you got eyes, why wouldn't you see? If you got ears, why wouldn't you hear? He's letting you know, no, they're, they're, they're not hearing. They're not listening. It's, it's in one ear and out the other. It's going over their head. They're, they're not gaining it, and they're not attaching to it, and so they're not getting the revelation from it. Faith comes by hearing, not passively, but grabbing a hold of it. And and, in Mark chapter 4 in the Amplified, on the back end of the parable of the sower, Jesus makes this statement. In the Amplified, it reads this way, uh, be careful to the attention or be careful how you hear, the level of attention and the value. Oh, you know, you can hear but not hear. Anybody ever been there? If you're a parent, you've been there. (laughs) They hear but they don't really hear. You know, I, I, you know uh, people make a big deal about, you know, God says this to me and God showed me this in a dream and, and, and God spoke this to me and, 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 and you know, uh, visitations with angels and, and these, all these moving opportunities where God speaks. And man, that's, that's gotta be incredible. I've never had any of those moments. It may be an audible voice, but you know how God really wants to lead and guide his people? It's from the still, small voice and inward witness. And I would even submit to you today that if God has to do all those things to get your attention, it might be a sign of your immaturity rather than your maturity. If I have to tell my son three or four times the same thing, that is not high marks. My dad talks to me. He tells me over and over and over. Uh, Nope, that's not, not something to be excited about. No. But when it's Sunday night and it's 8 p.m. and he knows we got we go into a routine and he's already doing it from the inside out. I don't even have to say anything. Now we've reached maturity. Amen. Because he's heard it enough and now he's gained it. He's taken it to, to principle. He's giving value to the words and giving attention to the words. And now he recognizes, I know my dad's going to expect this at this time on this day. Now we're growing. Now we're maturing. Amen. So faith comes by hearing. What you respond to is a good indication of what you are trained to hear. Have you ever noticed that hearing, uh, it, it comes through training? You know, I remember one time when, when Camden was real young and, and we were uh, at Disney. 
And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people at Disney. And he began to wander off. I've shared this story a few times. Began to wander off. And I just wanted to see how far he would get without noticing I wasn't right there next to him. And he's weaving through the crowd. I got my eye on him the whole time. I'm not some, you know, I'm not a horrible, don't go calling. Don't, don't go calling people, okay? Get a knock on my door. And he's wandering. And I'm just curious how far through this crowd. And then he starts getting further, far enough that I'm gonna have to start moving. And so I'm kind of, you know, keeping that same distance, but I'm moving with him. And I'm kind of, you know, ducking behind people. And I just want to see what he does. And sure enough, he's in a point and he finally realizes, okay, I've wandered out and I don't, where's, where's my dad? And I see him. I see him getting frantic. And I call out to him. He doesn't see me. He just hears me. He's trained to my voice. Anybody else out of the, you know, 3.2 million people that were at Disney that day (laughs) could have called out and said Camden and he wouldn't have responded to one of them. But when I, my voice, you know, they say that, uh, you know, especially for moms, when the babies come out of the womb, they already recognize their voice because they've been in there for nine months listening to that. It's a training. You have to become trained to hear God, and I want you to know this, you were designed to hear God. It's not a difficult thing. It's not a complicated thing. There's not a system in place that you gotta go through all these things to hear the voice of God. It, there's a training, but, the, but, but Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice. And he goes on to say, the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. Now I've brought this point out before, but, but what, who determines who's the shepherd and who's the stranger? Think about that. We always think the shepherd is the shepherd. And we always think the stranger is the devil. But I would submit to you that the shepherd is the voice that you are trained to hear. Oh, come on. And the stranger is the one that's unfamiliar. And could it be that Jesus's voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're not super familiar with, but when the world comes calling, you respond quickly. Because you've been trained. You've been trained to operate in fear the second they say something's going on. You've been trained to believe that there's sickness in their body the second that a symptom starts to show up. You've been trained to think I'm not going to make it through when the bank account begins to show. You've been trained that way. And now you need to be untrained and retrained to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because when I get up here and I say, victory is yours, you're like, I don't know about that, Pastor. Healing is yours. Oh, Pastor, you don't know the kind of week I've had. Your marriage can be healed. Oh, you just don't know what I went through. You become familiar with the wrong voice. You've been trained by the wrong voice. Why is this important to identity? Because God is speaking to us and he's telling us who we are. But if you listen to the wrong sources you'll come to the wrong conclusions. There's a shepherd and there's a stranger. I mean, stranger is simply just defined as that which is unfamiliar. And sometimes the Holy Spirit finds himself in the unfamiliar category when he wants to be in the familiar category. 
He will be with you. He will know you. He will abide with you forever. The second part of this statement, so then faith comes by hearing. But this is the part we kind of leave off. And and like I said, we read it, faith comes by hearing the word of God. But that's not how it reads. It says this, now hearing comes by the word of God. Meaning this, it is the word that literally gives you the capacity to hear. That you really can't hear if you're not in this. Now, if I can't hear, then that limits my ability to develop and grow faith because faith comes by hearing. But he's connecting it and saying, but don't forget that there's a word that you've got to hear. And if we limit access to this, you limit your hearing. If you limit your hearing, you limit your faith. You limit your trust. You limit your belief. Hearing comes by the word of God, meaning there is an element that God has given us called his word, the Bible, that actually increases our capacity to hear, our ability to hear. Jesus, when he introduced the Holy Spirit, he said this, he will not speak on his own accord. He will not speak of his own opinion. He will not speak of his own mind. He will say that only which my Father in heaven has said. You cannot get the Holy Spirit and the Father to disagree. People have tried. People have tried to say, well, the Holy Spirit said this and the Holy Spirit said that, but yet you can't back it up and support it with Scripture. They've tried that. And do not give me a word by the Spirit that doesn't align with the word of God. They will never disagree. They will never be out of alignment. They will never, uh, 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 they are always in tandem and in partnership together. Always. Now, it does not say this. So then faith comes by having heard. We have settled for having heard in in the church in 2022. We've settled for, oh, I've heard that before. We've settled for, oh, is he going there again? And this is how we end up with this uh, syndrome that the Bible talks about later on called itching ears. Because we can no longer tolerate something we've heard before. You know how many times Jesus and Peter and Paul were reminding Christians of things, the church of things? Reminders are just as good. See, this is the thing. You and I have to put just as much value on the reminder as we did on the revelation. Oh, we love the initial revelation. The first time I see that, the first, and you remember how jacked you got. You remember how excited it made. You remember how it just light bulbs popping off and everything changed. And, 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 and I mean, I had uh, an individual come up to me after service on Friday night, just almost speechless when I ministered on the Holy Spirit this past weekend. Just almost like, just couldn't, fat, like, I can't even put into words what you just uh, un- unveiled and what just came out. And that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm just a vessel. I'm not, I'm not puffing myself up at all. I do a lot of work to get there. There's a lot of, na- but if I don't have the anointing and the spirit of God, this is nothing but just a dry message helping you check a box. We need more than just checking boxes. 
We need life-giving messages, life-breathing messages. But you remember the day you got that initial revelation. But then when the reminder comes, when Paul told Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that's within you. Sometimes things just got to be stirred up. Sometimes you're not gonna, there's not going to be an external uh, thing that's going to uh, provoke a stirring up. There's not going to be some move of God or some powerful service or the worship, uh, the worship team singing all the songs you like. Sometimes you're just going to have to stir some stuff up. And it's by, re, by way of reminder. That's why I love to take notes. And a lot of times I'll take notes off of my own messages. I don't like going back and listening to my voice. I don't. Nobody likes to hear themselves talk and hear themselves sing. If they do, that's a problem. You know, I just love listening to myself sing. There is a problem. That's not normal. That's not normal behavior. But sometimes I'll say things up here by the Spirit that I'm like, I don't even have that in my notes, but I want it in my notes because I refer back. I'm not in my notes so I can re-preach this in a few months or a few years and hope you forgot about it. I put them in my notes because there's something that God said and I need it just as much as you. I'm not above you. I've got to get it before I get it to you. And sometimes I get stuff, I'm like, God, you just bypassed me. I need to receive that word too. And my wife has seen me sometimes on Sunday afternoon. Before, before we get to lunch, I'll, I'll, be, I'll have my computer back out or my notes, and I'll be putting stuff in there that I remember saying. It's like, man, I wouldn't, I got to remember. And I'll, I'll lock it in there. Sometimes I have to do it later in the week and listen to the message again. Amen. Why? Because reminders are just as important as the initial revelation. And I tell you what, when it comes to identity, you're going to need to be reminded a lot. Because there's a lot out there that will deceive and dilute and distort. You're going to endure an experience, maybe even this afternoon, that will challenge and question everything I'm saying. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that the enemy comes immediately to steal what was sown. And I'm sowing seed right now. And you know what? There was, there was those that, they man, they received it with joy. They were doing just like you. They were shouting them down, amen, and praising them. They, oh, joy, glory, yes, Father, I received that. And by the time they got to their car, it was unfruitful. By the time they got off the property, the devil was already bombarding. Ain't none of that true. Did, did God really say? He did it to Adam and Eve. He did it to Jesus too. Remember, the first temptation wasn't to eat the fruit. The, the first temptation was to question God. Did God say? And the first temptation to Jesus wasn't turn those stones into bread. It was, if you are the son of God. And if I fall for the first temptation, the second one becomes a lot easier. And you're going to have temptations. Did God really say? Did Pastor Mark really say? Does the Bible really say? Yeah. And, it, you know, it's getting quicker and quicker these days. You know, some people are predisposed to cynicism. You ever met those people? It's going to be a beautiful day. Ah, we'll see. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around that guy. Right? It's all about what you're trained to hear. 
You know, we, we were in, in you know, St. Augustine prior to moving here to Valdosta, and the first year I was there, the first month I was there, I moved July 4th weekend, 2004. By the end of July, there was a hurricane that came through. And it's amazing how quick people respond to crisis. I wish you, I wish believers would respond in faith as quickly as people respond in fear. <laughs> but the weatherman, I mean, with blue skies, a storm's coming, we're going to lose everything. I mean, there was one weather report, uh, Marcus and I, we, we would pass it back and forth to each other, where the guy literally said people were going to die. Literally said that. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of money made in fear. Oh, do I need to go back to 2020? <laughs> do, I, do I need to really use that illustration again? No, I don't think so. People are making money off your fear. People are making money off your division. People, there are people, I was just talking with an individual this morning, there are people making money off of racism. They couldn't handle if blacks and whites treated each other as we ought to. They would be out of business. So the weatherman gets up and he gives his little rant about the storms that are coming and this is where it's at and here's the, the trajectory. And you know how many people are buying every uh, gallon of water that's left, every bottle of water that's left? They're boarding up their houses. They're getting everything ready. They're taking time off from work. They're getting all the provisions. And then I get in here and say, by his stripes, you were healed. Oh, Pastor Ron, you're going to have to show me that. I need 13 verses and a commentary. How long you been studying seminary? Where'd you go to school? <laughs> They're trained to hear the wrong thing, man. So don't get mad at me when I bring reminders and reminders and reminders because they are just as powerful as the initial revelation. And I told you, I've told you before, I'll preach it until you get it. If I have to keep preaching it, maybe we still got to have some getting going on. <laughs> maybe there's some more getting to have. I mean, he's done it to me. God, are we really, are you still showing me that? There's still something you haven't gotten yet. There's more to see. There's more to see. Hallelujah. So it's not having heard. It actually reads this way in the Greek. It actually reads, and faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. We find ourselves in a perpetual state of hearing and learning, and growing. That's why I pray. You heard me pray uh, just before, uh, you know, we got started. I pray that you will be both receptive and responsive. It's important for you to receive it initially and then respond to it later when the trial arises. The parable of the sower also tells us that trials and tribulations arose because of the word. And anything that I refuse to preach on, teach on, deliver to you is an area where I can expect you to struggle and fail. Preachers that just get on, on one tangent or, or one, pastors, you know, there's itinerant ministers, there's evangelists, they're given a word, they're, they're given a specific assignment. But pastors, I, I don't get to just camp on one thing. I've got to give you the full counsel of the word. I have to preach the word in season and out of season. That means whether you like it or not. 
Whether, whether you respond with an amen or whether you respond with an oh me. It doesn't matter. I've got, I have the responsibility, the mandate, the assignment to deliver the uncompromised, not shrinking back, not watering down. I can make it simple without cutting anything away. Amen. It's important for us to live victorious. The Amplified reads uh, this way, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Y'all doing good? Good. So faith comes by hearing what is told. And what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. One thing I love about God and his word is they are one and the same. You cannot show value for God and not show value for his word. You know, we live in a day and age in our culture, our society, where a person and his word are, are, are separable. They're, they're, not, they're not the same. But it's not supposed to be that way. God actually says that he's elevated his word above himself. If he said it, he will see to it to perform it. See to it to fulfill it. If he's going to make a promise, he's going to keep a promise. That you can take it to the bank with God. If he made a promise about your finances, stand on the promise. Stand on the promise. Don't put a tithe or, or offering envelope ever, ever in, 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 in a basket or in a box when it's collected and when it's received without connecting your faith to it. Don't do that. I've encouraged y'all before. There's, you know, uh, a lot of us now, we, we offer the system as well where you could just have recurring giving where it just automatically deducts out of your check. Don't let yourself get in a rut or a habit of just seeing finance come out and go without standing on the promise of the word. It's not the action that fulfills it. It's the motivation and the heart behind it. Pharisees and Sadducees were dropping all kinds of money in that thing, but he said, there's one woman here that gave all that she had, and it's not, it wasn't what she gave, it was how she gave that determined the results that came back. The enemy will do anything he can, that, that it, even if he can't stop you from doing it, he'll disconnect your heart and your motive behind it so you won't see the results. And he'll, it's called religious activity. That's what that is. Religion is practice without surrender. That's what religion is. Practice without surrender. Well, isn't that what Jesus said about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders? They, they had the practice down. They would hold you to it. But Jesus addressed them in Matthew chapter 15 and said, you're actually abandoning the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition that the practice is actually keeping you from. And God didn't abolish the practice, but he wants you to do it for the right reasons. We don't do it out of obligation. We don't do it because we have to. Amen. Religion, religion is practice without surrender. The Passion Translation says this, faith then is birth in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. I tell you, the, the, the quickest, easiest way for you to see results in hearing God 
and strengthening your capacity in hearing God is obedience. That's the element, that's the element people don't want to hear. God, I want to hear, I, I want to hear your voice. Pastor, I, I, want, I want to hear God's voice. I want to see his word clearly. And, and, and my answer will always be, if you ask me, I will always address what's the level of your obedience. And this is the key. I said this the other night, but this is the key. Obey before the command. Obey before the command. Have a respondent heart, a postured heart, a yielded heart that whatever you say, the answer is yes. That you don't have to give me the instruction and then let me think on it. Come on. Do I want to follow? Do I not? You're hindering your capacity to hear. You're hindering your capacity to receive. You want to hear more? Obey more. Your hearing's tied to your obeying. The hearing's connected to what am I doing with what I already have? Come on, faithful stewards. If you got five, you got to double that thing. You got two, you got to double that thing. You got one, we ain't burying it in the ground. You ain't getting another one if you're not going to take care of what you've already got. And many times, come on, we already know where we're going. People want to know what's next, and God's trying to get you to do what's now. Yep. I need a new word. No, you need the same word, and you need to respond to that word and watch. I'm telling you, obedience will open the door to revelation and clarity. Like, like you won't, you won't it'd be like drinking water out of a fire hose. You won't be able to contain. God, slow down. I can't handle. That's too much revelation. Come on, you got to dial this thing back. Never underestimate the, the small steps of obedience. Because you're opening your door and you're opening your capacity to hear God. We're talking about avoiding deception. We're talking about how can I truly know who I am and why I'm called and what I'm called to do? Our identity? We've got to deal with this factor of revelation. Ears to hear leads to a life that obeys. Ears to hear leads to a life that obeys. So this is how God works in our lives. Faith, trust, reliance, dependence, confidence, assurance, all depends on my ability to hear. And my ability to hear all depends on my ability to be in the word, give it attention, give it focus, the revelations and the reminders. And so look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Talking about identity. I want to start with verse 1. Many of you probably already know where we're going. toward the end of this thing. But I want to start with verse 1. And it says, And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him they asked. Remember what we said? 
and to test him. That's Matthew 1, I think Matthew 16, right? Matthew 16, verse 1. I want you all to see it. There we go. Pharisees came and testing him asked. Now, we've already gone through this. Give you a pop quiz. Are they asking to know? Nope. So then the motivation is not to reveal truth. The motivation is to challenge and distort truth, question truth. That's where this deception starts, okay? So they're asking a question, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, I want to remind you, that was the same thing that the devil did in the wilderness. If you are the son of God, command these stones to turn into bread. See, this is the thing about the enemy. If he realizes that you know who you are, he tests your confidence in who you are because insecurity will always strive to prove who you are. And we do stupid things when we're insecure, don't we? Usually the ones that are the loudest and doing the most are the least confident on the inside. And if you fall for that trap, Now you're trying to perform in your own ability what only God wanted to strengthen you with. And there's a natural uh, performance does not attract the hand of God. Natural performance does not attract the hand of God. It's confusing because Samson was able to perform, but he did not attract the hand of God because he misused the anointing on his life for personal gain and personal use. And if you're getting more glory out of it than God is, maybe we're not using it the way that he told us to use it. Jesus said, I ain't got to prove nothing to you. See, secure people are like, you can believe it if you want or not. It don't matter to me. Right? But insecure people are like, okay, let me show you what I can do with these stones. Let me show you a sign. It's too much flesh involved. Spiritual things are, should be done by spiritual people. Verse two, he answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. He says this in verse four, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. He left them and departed. He did not fall for the trap. He did not fall for the test. Therefore, he passed the test. And you and I, as we become more secure in who we are in knowing who we are and knowing what Christ has done for us and, and becoming more assured and secure and confident in that, you'll find yourself sometimes not having to always prove to God, prove a lot of our striving and a lot of our toiling is coming from a posture of insecurity, not security. I've talked with people that they wanted to receive their healing. They wanted their healing to manifest because they wanted people to know that they believe in the healing power of God. And that's not why healing manifests. It's so that you can look like some awesome believer that can make healing show up. It's it's for the glory of God, period. And he doesn't share his glory with anybody. It's heart motive. 
Sometimes we want a sign, but for the wrong reasons. Signs were meant to deliver people. Signs were meant to heal people. You remember when Jesus got up in Luke chapter four uh, and, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. Not one of the things that follows that has anything to do with him. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to set at liberty the captives. He's anointed me to restore sight to the blind. He's anointed me. And and people were always, if the anointing is only affecting you, you're using it wrong. And if the world around you isn't changed by your impact or influence on it, we've got to change something about how we're living our lives because we should not leave this world without it knowing we were here. (laughs) You do not have the right to leave this planet until you've changed it, until you've altered it, until you've impacted it, until you've influenced it, until people knew kingdom came, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. So it's an interesting start. In verse 5, he goes on and he says, uh, when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. I love Jesus's conversation. Sometimes I think he said things on purpose because he knew they were on a completely different wavelength. They're like, uh, there's no bread here. What leaven is he talking about? But Jesus, aware of this, said, oh, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Notice and highlight that he said you have no faith or little faith. Faith was compromised because revelation was compromised. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the word of God. So they heard him, but they didn't hear him. They thought he was talking about a different bread. What he meant was the doctrine of the Pharisees, what they say and what they preach. Beware of the leaven. Beware of what they're selling you, what they're giving to you, what they're ministering to you. And they're thinking natural bread. And if you read in the chapter before, he just got done multiplying some bread. So it'd be, uh, you know, there's good reason, but they're not on the same wavelength because they're dealing with information, not revelation. Only revelation can strengthen your faith. If you are trying to inform your faith, you will find yourself just as weak or weaker as you were before. When you're in a fight, you don't need information. When you're in a battle, you don't need information. But the devil will overload you with information. You ever notice that? We are are dying by too much information. Too too much ease of access to information. Google has not made us smarter. It's just made us quicker to the dumb stuff. (laughs) We just find stupid things faster. (laughs) (laughs) It takes us longer. It took us longer to arrive at those conclusions. Now we just get there super fast. And we think faster is smarter. Okay, I'm getting off that one. That's that's fallen. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. Verse 9, look what he says. Do you not yet perceive? 
Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, at least they got it after he explained it. (laughs) Sometimes we just need some explaining. But if you live at the mercy of an explanation, it's going to limit. Because if the enemy can't get you with information, then he'll get you with explanations. And information and explanation still can't replace revelation. Because you're going to get a revelation one day that can't be explained, can't be understood, can't be comprehended. I mean, we just had a testimony this, this weekend of an individual that, that got a report about something in her body, went back to the doctor after standing and believing God, and, and the doctor said, I can't understand it. It's a miracle. That's what you want to hear, right? But you know what? Miracles are normal to God. When are they going to be normal to us? In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, miracles were how things operated. If it's out of alignment, it gets in alignment. That's just how it works. God doesn't say, man, look at that miracle. He says, that's the way it's supposed to be. And now he wants you and I to think that way. Why aren't we seeing miracle signs and wonders? Because we're still surprised by them. I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen. Come on. See, oh, ye of little faith, because we haven't received the revelation. We're still settling for information. And when you live by information, it's not going to be long before you need an explanation. I want stuff to happen that can't be explained. I want stuff that, that you can't understand. If it's happening in your cognitive, if the world can grasp it, I don't want it. Because supernatural means beyond natural. The unexplained, can't put it into words, that's what we want. Do you not yet perceive? And so then they understood. Verse 13, it's just setting the stage. I love when you read the word of God in context. It's all connected. Because verse 13 is usually where we start. But what we just read is going to be really important to help us understand where we're going. Now. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, oh, questions. Pop quiz. The enemy's asking the question to distort truth. Jesus is asking a question to what? Okay, you've been listening, man. Some of y'all got your perfect attendant cards out. I've been here every service, Pastor Mark. I've got them all. Jesus is asking a question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, I mean, do you think he's asking this out of insecurity? (laughs) We're about six months before Jesus is going to be crucified. He's been on the earth three years doing ministry. Do you think he's like, what do people think about me? (laughs) I hope they like me. I put that post out the other day, it only got three likes. (laughs) No, he's not. 
He's not asking out of insecurity. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he gets a little deeper, verse 15. But who do you say that I am? Who do you? Now, verse 14 was a bunch of information. The best information can do is compare it to something that already exists. Information will never show you something to come. Information can never grant you access to something that is unknowable or or, uh, inconceivable in this realm. You've got to operate in another level called revelation. And so verse 14, if we live out of verse 14, we'll just keep informing our faith using the best possible cases and scenarios that we can explain it with, that we can compare it to. We are a lot like John the Baptist. A little bit like that old prophet Elijah that we hear a lot about. Or Jeremiah. Or some of the, in fact, they were saying, in essence, you're just another man that's come to preach a good message with some signs following. And those are great men. Those are great esteemed prophets. John the Baptist was amazing. Elijah didn't even die. He just went to heaven. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty good comparison. So the enemy's got us settling for comparison and identity when God wants to reveal that you're something that's never existed before. I've put something in you that nobody else on this planet has ever contained or will contain because your purpose is, is, is specific to the identity and the makeup that I put inside of you. But you're settling for information. We're settling for information when it comes to our identity. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got to increase your capacity to hear and receive revelation because information is not going to cut it. When we really need to get down to who you are, you're going to run out of sources to inform you. We got people on this planet today that are chasing sources of information. Your source of information might be your family's makeup. Your source of information might be, well, my dad struggled with it and my grandfather struggled with it and my great-grandfather struggled with it. Generational curses handed down one to the next. Well, what if it just stopped with you? What if you were the stopping point? Do you want to have to pass it on to the next one? Come on. But information will tell you it just runs in the family. Maybe your source of information is the color of your skin. And I recognize there's a diverse group in here today. We've got people in the world that want to tell us that we are valued and determined of our worth by the color of our skin. Not in the kingdom of God, you're not. But you're going to have to change your source of information. Because heaven's got a different revelation for you. Maybe your source of information is your bank account. Maybe the source of information is the job you hold. 
the status you have. And now we've limited source of information to how many likes you get, how many followers you have. Come on. Pastors, I know, deal with it all the time. The source of information for a lot of pastors is how many of these seats get filled up. How much property do they own? How much influence do they have? What's their online attendance like? How many books have they written? Musical artists. Wrong source of information. What side of the tracks did you grow up on? Well, people from this neighborhood never never succeeded. People from this part of town, uh, you know, you could never be, you know, that's what they said about Jesus. How could a man from Nazareth, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. How could a man from Nazareth preach like that, heal like that, deliver like that, set free like that? No, it ain't no way. Even though they saw the signs right in front of them. They, they, they didn't deny the miracle. They just denied where they came from. They didn't deny the power of the words. They just denied where it came from. This man has no right to be. He's from Nazareth. But they had their own poor insight and outlook on their own lives. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. That was the saying. It would be God. You know, it's amazing how much God uses greatness, but it's amazing what God can do with little. Look in the Bible. Go ahead. Look how many times he did something with way less than what you and I could do something with. Do you have a little bit of oil in the jar? Do you got 300 men that are ready to go to battle? Is there a shepherd boy out here that's killing bears and lions? Because these other seven guys, this ain't cutting it. God knows how to use little. After all the ministry that Jesus did, we got 120 in upper room. God said, no problem for me. All I need. God wants quality, not quantity. So what's the source of information? Verse 14, we've got the wrong source of information. And now Jesus says, I want to know after walking with me for three years, do you have the same source of information that everybody else does? Is the church collecting its information on the outlook of life from the same place the world is? You know, he's asking two different people groups. Who do people say that I am? But now verse 15, he wants to say, now are you listening to the same sources everybody else is? Because you've spent time with me, you know me, You've seen the signs, you've seen the wonders, but you've also seen me up on the mountaintop praying. You've seen me spend time with the Father. I've told you things that I haven't told anybody else, like the parable of the sower. He told the parable of the sower to people, the multitude, but he explained the parable of the sower to his disciples. So, you shouldn't be collecting your data from the same place everybody else is. Why are we dealing with an identity issue? Because of deception. How do we combat deception? With revelation. Watch this. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not what? Revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. He says, correct. Right answer. You got it. But you weren't collecting your data from the same source of information everybody else was. Worship team, if you come. You are operating by revelation. Everybody else is living off of information. It's a simple question. All that I said to get, to, get us to this point, what is your source of information? Where are you collecting? Who's informing you of who you are? What's informing you of what your potential is, what your capacity is, what your abilities are, what your rights and your privileges are. You know as well as I do, as a citizen in the United States of America, you are not gonna let somebody from a foreign country or territory talk you out of what rightfully belongs to you as a citizen of this nation. But yet people in the kingdom of God are talked out of their rights and their privileges as citizens of the kingdom of God by someone from a foreign territory that has no place in the kingdom of God. Because you're relying on information. Well, if the symptoms go away, I'm getting better. No, you are healed. You were healed before you were sick. Tell me, I'm telling you, it will open your eyes. Revelation, faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the revealed word of God. You don't have time spending this you're strongly limiting your capacity to know what God knows. And you're settling for information. You're settling for explanations when God wants you to live by revelation. Father, today, we commit to change our source. Change our source. We won't live yielded to the ups and downs of life. That our confidence, our reliance, our dependence is not in the economy, the government, the world, getting the healthy report from a doctor, having the right amount of money in the bank account, being accepted by certain people. No, our value comes from heaven. Our value comes from who do you say that we are? And we will not allow the enemy to question, test, and challenge the word of God in our lives. But we hold it dear. We hold it near. We rest on these promises. We believe in the unshakable, grounded and founded word of God that is immovable. And it is the only source we rely upon. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. 
If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.